Playroom Table Talks. <laughs> have you done that? I have not. Okay, that I was actually going to be my intro, so you can't <laughs> laugh too loud. <laughs> hey, Alexa. Playroom Table <laughs> I can't do it. They've been doing it right. But they, wait a minute. If they're listening to this, yeah. they have already done that. Well, I know, but maybe. <laughs> I just thought it would be a fun intro because I just heard that this weekend. And yeah. I, have, I meant to try it. I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't know Alexa was part of the program, part of the organization. I mean, we hired Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> has, has anyone tried it? Okay, well, I'm going to try Jacob it. Ha- Jacob says, yes, it works great. Somebody gave me Alexa. <laughs> I did. We should probably start over. <laughs> a hootie? I think so. Yeah, I think Google Home, you could do the same thing. Hey, hey, Google, play Rogue Table Talks. Hey, Alexa. I think so. I think so. I don't think we should cut any of this. I think this should be the real intro. <laughs> this is the intro. Let's just go right Number 33. It. Number 33. Please message us and let us know if you can say, hey, Alexa, play Rogue Table Talks. Just whatever names work for you. <laughs> Rogue Table Talk, number 33. If that hadn't brought you any joy... Then you you too grinchy. Hey Barry, play rogue table talks. That didn't work. Hey Johnny. <laughs> All right, we're number thirty-three, right? That's right. Number All thirty-three right. on joy. Joy. Joy, joy, joy. We're gonna get rid of your resting grinch face. Yes. Well, I don't know if I can do that. That's well, hard to, it might be beyond hopefully. my control. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely my case. Um yeah, so um, we are in the middle of a, a series, Christmas series on joy. Yeah. And uh, so last week, though, I was, uh, my joy was tempered by the fact that you were gone, not here. Oh, I did listen to that. You did sound I did, a little down, sad. A little, you know, yeah. sniffling. Yeah. Uh, you were on a birthday trip. Yeah. And how'd that go? <laughs> it was a surprise birthday surprise trip. Surprise birthday trip. Yeah, so trip. I turned 40 November 30th, whenever wow. that was, two wow. Saturdays ago. Wow, more y- more years than we have Rogue Table Talk episodes. <laughs> that is seven more years. So yeah, my wife had saved up for quite a long time and planned out a, a trip and uh, told me the day before. Yeah, I knew before you knew. Yeah, you knew before <laughs> I knew. I knew. I I know how these things work because she's stolen me away from work before, and uh-huh. she always texts. Uh, she always checks with the Mikester, which mm-hmm. is it's a good idea. Yeah, somebody should know. <laughs> somebody so we don't call the police. Know. Yeah, uh, I think Jacob knew too. Okay. Um, right. I'm glad she told you as well, though. Yeah, because right. I need to, I need somebody. She was just making conversation, <laughs> probably. Just telling. So yeah, it yeah. was great. She uh, she took me to a place uh, down in Mexico, and we sat um, on right. the beach in the sun. Right. It was nice. It was oh, warm. It was sweet. great weather. It was relaxing. Came back refreshed. So cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. Um, so okay, now my joy's back. So that's good to hear. Good. Um, so we talked a little bit last week, Jacob and I. Um, as joy as part of the larger story, we can maybe kind of continue that theme a little bit. And I kind of want to get you to respond to that since you weren't here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it's kind of not something that we can make happen that we can, you know, manufacture or control. Um, and we looked at Luke two and, uh, that's, you know, when, uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem and when the angels, you know, talked to the to the shepherds announced that and, and, and they went and, and saw and they rejoiced. And so now we're going to back up a, uh, a chapter, uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a chapter one and see when Mary went to see her, um, is it her aunt Elizabeth or, or is it her Mary's, uh, is it her aunt? And so that's, or is it her 
It's her sister, right? And because Jesus and John are cousins? Jesus and John are cousins, but I don't know if they're second cousins. Oh, okay. Because Elizabeth's old, right? You know what? Man, we are stumped theologically yeah, we here. we probably should have looked that up <laughs> before. They're related anyway. They're She's related. going to her family member <clears throat> uh, and uh, uh, in, in uh, Luke chapter 1 and then the Magnificat uh, when she responds with joy. But before we do that, I do kind of want to, like what this notion <clears throat> that joy is part of this larger story that we, you know, it's not something we can manage or manufacture. It's when our story and the larger story sort of intersect or something like that. So what are your, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something, does that resonate with you? Am I just making that up? You know, what do you think? Uh, No, I, I think that's true. If you remember, we did a series two or three years ago during Christmas and one of the weeks was on joy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember we talked, uh, in that some, in that about the very same vein is that it's, it's a bit complex in that you can't control, you can't control it. And yet you do have to work at it. Yeah. You can't manufacture it. And yet it takes intentionality. You can squelch it. Yeah. You can yeah. squelch it. You can put it out. It, yeah. it, it is to me though, this, um, being in tune and, and an awareness of, but it is an authentic response to uh, grace. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use that really, really broadly. Mm-hmm. So common, the common yeah. graces yeah, that yeah, we yeah. have every day, yeah. but not only that, divine grace, sacred grace, mm-hmm. saving grace, mm-hmm. um, uh, the graces through, uh, you know, the, the avenues of communion and mm-hmm. baptism and preaching, all those things, mm-hmm. everything, every grace that comes our way, um, it's an authentic kind of surprise and kind of a proper surprise, a proper uh, uh, surprise, right. like, surprise. yeah, wow. Yeah. The place is flawed and broken and mm-hmm. all that's true. Yeah. And yet but look, yeah. Isn't it really charged with wonder too? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that fits, I think with, uh, what we're going to look at in Luke one, because we see this spontaneous sort of reflexive response of joy. Luke one, uh, starting in verse 39, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, it's Elizabeth's baby, leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So let's just talk a little bit about what's happening in that passage. Mm -hmm. Mary has uh, just, I mean... Earlier in chapter one, obviously the angel came, gave her the news, talked to Joseph, gave him the news, and she was with child by the Holy Spirit, the Messiah. She was going to, she was going to give birth to the Messiah, and uh, she went to then visit Zechariah and Elizabeth. And there's this spontaneous, like Elizabeth doesn't know, she doesn't have a speech prepared, mm-hmm. you know, right? She didn't call ahead, probably. I mean, I, I don't think, mm. I don't know how that worked. Mary just shows up and it's this spontaneous exclamation with a loud cry. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. She's filled with the Holy spirit. 
you know, why has this wonderful thing happened? When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb, that's John the Baptist, mm-hmm. leaps for joy in mm-hmm. the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, how does that correspond to what we sort of talked about with the sort of, sort of surprise of hmm. here's the bigger, I mean, literally the bigger story is coming. Yeah. She's part of the bigger story, which in a sense we are too. And Mary comes and joy. Yeah. Presto. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, for several reasons, I think this passage is interesting and I want to be careful because I experienced this, um, over the past few days, I was doing some teaching and one of the questions that came up was looking for an answer. Um, but it was looking for a very theological explanation, mm-hmm. um, in an answer, uh, to put it one way, it was looking for the divine side of that answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great, but I want to be careful to say, I, I think we should start with when we come to the Bible, is there a human explanation Mm -hmm. that might help give us clarity to Mm -hmm. a divine explanation Mm -hmm. and how not to abuse it. So what's interesting to me is that her interpretation is that my baby leapt for joy. That's Mm -hmm. interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Like what does she, what's going on in her mind? What foundation Mm -hmm. does she have about expectation about what God's going to do? What is happening right Mm -hmm. now? Who is in, um, you know, Mary's womb Mm -hmm. and what's he going to bring. Right. And so, you know, she could have said five different things, Mm -hmm. but the way she described it was obviously the baby moved. Mm -hmm. There are real things happening. And her interpretation is he leapt for joy at anticipating of what God's going going to do. Yeah. And if we can take that interpretation at face value, and because says she's filled with the Holy Spirit, right. that somehow go. she has this divine interpretation of what's happened. Like she knows, and that's where it's like, she's not, she hasn't worked us all this out theologically. It's mm-hmm. just a response mm-hmm. of God is here. Hmm. Joy. Hmm. Right. It's, um, behold, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. And it's like, I do think this is a sense of, um, I'm in the presence of the one who is joy. And somehow by the, by the Holy spirit, I know that and I'm responding with joy. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of feel like I know this is a once, you know, historically, you know, historically, theologically, biblically narrative flow. This is, this only happens once, Mm -hmm. but I'm wondering, in fact, I suspect that that sort of thing should happen to me every now and again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that's, yeah, I think so. Because I think, uh, the question of, did the story happen? Yes. Another question is how is the story continuing to happen Mm -hmm. today? Mm -hmm. How is God's plan still unfolding? Um, and I think, Sometimes because we have the closed canon, 66 books, uh, we often miss, this is why the church planning network acts 29, mm-hmm. right? Because right. we're not, we live in between acts 28 and the end. And the end right? And so, yeah, how is the story still unfolding? Which means how am I preparing to be surprised right. for God to show up? Surprised by joy. And I think that so I think I do this. I think it's a common sort of Western, um, 
you know, Christian sort of way of looking at the Bible is, okay, this is truth. This is the story I'm in. This is who I am. And at some level, then this is the response I should have to Mm -hmm. it, which Mm -hmm. is okay. Right. So far, so good. Right. True. But what we slip into is then I'm sort of in charge of making that response happen to some degree. Right. And so that's where like, what do we do with the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. And I think we don't think that, I don't think we think this consciously that that means I'm supposed to be more joyful. Right. 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 So then we have seven steps to joy. Mm-hmm. We read that book or mm-hmm. we take that or whatever that is. And I think there's some level at which part of that might be okay. Mm-hmm. It's worth looking at like what, am, how am I squelching joy or turning away from it or whatever. But it is something that if it's this, if, the, if it's this sort of divine being, being divinely surprised mm-hmm. by God's grace and love, then there's some, there's something that I'm, there's a part of it that I'm doing, but there's a part of it that by definition, I'm not doing. Yeah. Right. Like I have to enter into God's presence and then I don't need to sort of fake it till I make it joy. He's gonna, like mm-hmm. joy comes, here's, here's Elizabeth. And it's just like, she's not trying anything. She's not planning anything. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I mean, I'm trying to work through like, where is the line between having sort of a responsibility to not be joyless and giving room for God to bring joy. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that, I don't know the answer. It feels like you're cautioning against two common abuses. Yeah. Fake joy. Mm Mm-hmm. Or we're joyful, aren't we? Yeah. We're Christians. Like, we're joyful, aren't we? Hey, I, I, I'm on the end and nothing ever bad happens. Yeah. And right. so I yeah. should be happy. Right. All the time. That's right. Um, which not true, which honestly comes across uh, sometimes as off putting or obnoxious. And it's just like, well, that doesn't yes. feel very genuine. That's right. That's right. But the other abuse is, um, well, I'm not very joyful. So I'm just going to be authentic just, about that. Right. Just to be authentic. I'm really <laughs> mad all the time. Yeah. I'm just letting you know, uh, this whole thing is a sham. It's all bad and the world's doomed and, um, you know, this sucks. And so I think there's the other abuse of like, well, okay, both of them feel lazy Yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, one of them feels like very hard work, but it's also a form of laziness. Like yeah. the working hard to be happy and put a smile on is hard work, but it doesn't go deep enough. It's, it's it seems like you can be pretty good at that in a fake way. You can manage it where I don't think you can manage joy. I don't think you can control it and manage it. You don't get to be over it. Right. You have to come under it as right. I think we mentioned a few right. weeks ago. Um, but the other one feels a little lazy too. Like we talked about it a few minutes ago. It's natural for the human condition to hold on to a negative thought. Mm. So it's easier. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to say, mm-hmm. here's the downside of this, or here's the problem of that, as opposed to, yeah, but there's an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. God's still in the flaw. Right. I also, I just think there's, I mean, what, it's easy to hold on to a negative thought. <clears throat> I probably should follow that thought a little farther. Like, why is it easy? Like, what does it do for me? 
And I think part of it is I, it explains like if I'm feeling crappy, mm-hmm. can I say crappy on the rogue table talks? Oh, it is yeah. a rogue table it's talk. Rogue, yeah, it was man. just table talks. I couldn't say it. <laughs> <clears throat> if I'm feeling crappy, um, then I can point to something to explain my feeling of crappiness Yeah, that like, it's not my fault. When I think that's, that's very, it's unnecessary. Like sometimes, some, listen, sometimes you're going to feel crappy hmm. because the world's broken. Um, people will hurt you. You're going to get sick. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to stub your toe. Your tire's going to get flat. All these things are going to happen. Somebody's going to, you know, rear end your, your car. And, um, and that's like, you don't necessarily have to, what's behind the need to explain might be, well, um, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a good person. I mean, why, why is, why are bad things happening to me? Yeah. I should be living a joy-filled life. It says in Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the spirit is joy. And without, you know, consciously doing it, unconsciously, I sort of connect the dots. Therefore, I should be happy. Mm-hmm. I should be content. I should be whatever. And therefore, flat tire makes me not happy. So I have to explain that. Yeah. And it's just like, I feel like that's part of the, the work that we do Instead of just saying, well, I can I can drop all of that and say, sometimes I'm going to be really sad. I'm going to grieve. And joy can be in there somewhere, too. Yeah, and this is where I, I really don't know. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I really don't know uh, what, I, about, what I think about what I'm going to say next. Mm-hmm. I have two thoughts. One of them from the brilliant Daniel Tiger book. <laughs> yep, okay. <laughs> Obviously, children's Theologian. Book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel Tiger, the theologian, where... He has two conflicting emotions, but his mother wisely comes alongside him and says, it's okay to feel two things Mm -hmm. at the same time. Sure. And so in that sense, I can understand, and I think most of us who live long enough can understand, yeah, I've felt sorrow and joy Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, On another level, I wonder if joy is not often, it's not that helpful to define as a feeling. Because when I'm grieving, I'm probably going to feel the full weight of sorrow. Mm -hmm. And if joy is the foundation on which I place the weight of that, I'm free to feel only sorrow Mm -hmm. and only grief and Mm -hmm. pain and loss. Mm -hmm. Where I think, and I don't want to give too much away because I'm talking on this next week, but Mm -hmm. uh, where I think the antithesis to joy is not sorrow or pain, but it's despair Mm -hmm. and where we get into trouble is we let our sorrow or our pain go further into the push us into despair. Yeah. I think, so I think there's a lot there. And again, you're going to probably talk about this next week, but I think we're afraid of despair. Mm -hmm. So no, I'm not despairing. In fact, I'm not even that sad. (laughs) In fact, I'm joyful. And there you go. Do you see how fast that went? Yeah. And so it's like, that didn't hurt. That wasn't real. I'm fine. And so you just close everything down And, uh, you know, you actually don't feel, I think that's part of one of the things that explaining what's going on all the time to myself is I don't have to feel it. Mm -hmm. Like I explain it instead of feeling it. I explain why it's okay even for me to feel sad instead of just feeling sad. Yeah. Um, I know that's one of the things I do. Mm. Like I want to make sense of the world all the time, which, okay, fine. But sometimes I do that. In, it's fine to make sense of the world. I think where I go wrong sometimes is I make sense of the world in place of 
just being in the world. Yeah. Right. That's good. It's easy. And that's where it's looking back at the passage um, here. Joy is that spontaneous heart response. Yeah. It's not, it's easy to analyze or to step back and then to question. I get into trouble with that being kind of one who thinks, mm-hmm. who usually lives in my mind more of uh, the questions and the analysis and the stepping out of the moment to think about it or to get some perspective yeah, right, on it, as right. opposed to being fully present, mm-hmm. being with friends or family or whatever common grace, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, hot, I think, hot coffee in the morning. Right. I think for me, that was a, growing up a coping mechanism. What's that? Con- what constantly be explaining. Okay. And so, which probably worked pretty well to yeah. some degree. Uh, and because part of underlying was the sense of these people are not making sense of the world. So I'm going to have to, Mm. uh, but of course, like all coping mechanisms, they work and they work as far as they work and then they don't work past that anymore. Strategy then becomes sabotage. Right. Right. Uh, but it's, it's reflexive. So it's hard to, hard to break out of that. So you mentioned something before about, okay, if, if joy is found in this larger story, um, people who don't believe in the larger story can experience joy. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about what, why that is. Did you say can or can't? Can't, can't. or can. People who don't, like, let me say it again. People who don't necessarily are not conscious of entering into the larger story, they're still, can, they still, it doesn't mean they can't experience joy. Yeah. That, like you don't have to be a good Christian yeah. to have joy. Like, yeah. In fact, one of, <laughs> this is probably too harsh on all of us being in house, but one of my questions is sometimes people oversimplify the formula and say, well, Jesus brings joy and joy is in the presence of God and God is joy and I have God. And I just want to keep asking the question, well, okay, fine. Then why are a lot of Christians I meet myself sometimes included so miserable? <laughs> if that's true. Um, because I think that the form, the simplistic nature of the formula has to be questioned a bit because it often under undergirding that is a sense of elitism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, therefore we have the corner market on joy right. and nobody else does. I just don't think that's true because the, the Bible um, talks about a uh, concept uh, well, it's implicit. It's common grace, common grace right. but it's, it's explicit. And when Jesus mentions that, um, the heavenly father loves to send rain right. Right. and sun to shine and rain to refresh and in the Psalms mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. and wine to gladden the heart of people. And this is, this is grace. Right. And so when I say, because God loves everyone, God loves everyone. And, and when I want, say that, unbeliever who does not profess faith in Jesus can experience joy, a deep marriage, mm-hmm. being a good parent, all right. of those things. I'm saying, well, that's Jesus in and through them. That's mm-hmm. grace. Yeah. That's not necessarily right. saving so, grace, but it is God in and right. through them. So it is the larger story. It is the larger story they, showing that you might not be conscious of it. That's great. And I do think that, you know, uh, I don't think I talked about this last week. I think I did. It, it made it into my sermon at St. Charles was, uh, so listen to Mike's sermon of St. Charles. Yeah, look that up. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a memoir of kind of memoir of his childhood or his early life called Surprised by Joy. And it, one of the premises of that story, one of the things he, you know, he encountered joy and couldn't really, ex- as an unbeliever, 
and couldn't explain it. Yeah, that's great. It was one of the stepping stones to there must be, there's more to this life than I can explain rationally. There's this joy and I can't explain it. And that's not like he didn't, that therefore I can become a Christian, but it was one of the stepping stones in, in belief in God mm-hmm. at all, much less. And I think that's, I do feel like that in terms of, uh, reaching people with the gospel, there are evidences of the gospel, the good news that are all around us that we can use to, you know, if in a purely evolutionary sense, in an empty, cold universe, I'm not sure that there would be joy. There'd mm. be pleasure. Yeah. There'd be sort of a reward mechanism for, you know, filling my belly when I'm hungry. But I don't know if that's the same thing as joy. That's wonderful because joy is related to transcendence. Right. And so... If there you, is no transcendence. If there is no transcendence, if there is nothing other than just a bunch of neurons firing around... Right. Would we... I don't think we would have joy. No. Uh, and so that, that's, that becomes in the, you know, the C.S. Lewis sort of thing, things like true grace, true love, true joy that everyone can experience. Those are heavenly markers in our world that we can point to and say... I think I have an explanation in my story for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you would explain that. Let's talk about it. That's the conversation that I think we could have that would really be, I think, challenging, helpful, uh, stimulating on both sides. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me read then Mary's response, and uh, we'll interact with that a little bit more. Um, I have no idea where we are time-wise. Where are we? We're good. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, to that's all you need I to know. To We're good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jacob so, almost fell out of his chair there. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> so this is after Elizabeth exclaims what she exclaims and expresses her joy, and so starting in verse forty-six, and Mary said, "My soul magnifies the Lord." This is the Magnificat, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And so you get this this exclamation of joy and of God's glory and the fulfillment of God's promises and God's faithfulness in us all sort of... um, mixed up together, bound up together in one package yeah. where they seem inseparable, that the God who loves us, who remembers us, who redeems us, who vindicates us, who has mercy, uh, who has looked on us and, and come for salvation, all of that, like her understanding of who she is and where she is in the story and who God is, all of that is um, sort of bound up with a knowledge that then the fulfillment of that is in her womb. And she just, you know, she just responds with yeah. joy. She writes a poem or a song. Right. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if, like, so I'm looking at first Elizabeth and then Mary's joyful response. And um, if I can look at times when I'm joyless, and you know, I think we have a responsibility to, to do that from time to time. 
is there something, are there, are there things that I'm doing that are sort of short circuiting joy or short circuiting, um, you know, if I'm not entering into the story and I'm not spending time in prayer or meditation or in his word or in worship or in community, if I'm not doing those things that are reminders of all these true things, I'm probably making joy a lot more difficult to break mm-hmm. through to me. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you what it is for me? Sure. And maybe it relates and, and I'm not sure if you're listening, maybe it relates to you. For me, um, I think it comes back to your seven steps to joy, mm-hmm. but that shows up in a little bit of a different way. So I love what she does in her song. She is remembering God's acts for mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And so there is this intentionality of remembering. So I start to think about, okay, she's, she's intentionally meditating on the works of God. Mm -hmm. That's one of the Mm -hmm. modes of prayer. The Psalms do that. Um, But where I, so she's doing something to remind herself or to get herself in a posture of prayer, all these things. But where I get into trouble is it almost becomes a formulaic type thing where, okay, well, you said I'm supposed to have joy. And reading my Bible can give me joy. So I'm going to read my Bible so that I can get joy. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is if you live in the yaw and pitch of everyday life, that just doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't well, happen. Well, we've already time. said you can't make joy happen. You can't make joy happen. So I get, I have had these internal and still have these internal expectations that cause almost immediate frustration in myself if I don't catch them mm-hmm. because I'm trying to control it. And I think, well, I, I heard a sermon. And I'm supposed to, right. you know, it, it's supposed to make me feel something. Right. I'm reading my Bible. I, right. I'm remembering out loud God's acts uh, on my behalf so that, so I wonder if for me, part of the solution was, no, those things are ends in themselves, mm-hmm. regardless of, you know, if my heart's just stale, okay, it's just stale, but remembering God's acts for worship in our relationship to nurture my intimacy with him, that's a good thing. I think that's really good because I think that's, I think when they are ends in themselves and when I've let go of trying to make joy happen, now the door is open. Mm -hmm. And I do think that, I think that's, I think what you've described, I certainly have, have, have struggled with that my whole Christian life. I think most Christians have where this sense of either, okay, here's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm doing it Mm -hmm. or Often I know I don't, I know I'm not supposed to be mechanical in doing these things. So I don't do them at all. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Right. And so I think I've spent time on either side of those things where I want to express my freedom or I don't have to do that. So then I don't do really enough of it. Mm -hmm. And it's really more the manner, as you've said, in which am I seeking God for his own sake? Am I seeking his word for the beauty of it? Uh, for connection with him? Am I seeking prayer for, am I, you know, joining together with God's people to be joined with them, to be for their sake, for my sake, for his sake. And in all of that joy can come. And I, I think if I can separate joy from being something I feel Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. sort of something that is, then I can feel lots of other things and still have joy. Yeah. And I think that's the trick is um, we sometimes act as though the Bible commands us to feel something. Hmm. 
And I don't think the Bible ever commands us to feel something. That's good. But it encourages us to rejoice. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't always control, I can't always make my, the yeah. right feelings. And if I try to right. make feelings happen, they're probably the wrong feelings. I anyway. have to fundamentally reject the premise of, I am going to be able to control and initiate my own feelings. Yeah. I think my feelings can match reality or conflict with the reality. But in the second case, it's probably because I'm trying to yeah. avoid them or manage them or make a certain one happen or whatever. Uh, and I think for, that's why for us, things like joy or peace, those are things that are, mm -hmm. and we experience them and we might not feel peaceful, but we might have God's peace. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Good. Yes. And to me, that's that, to me, what you're talking about is a, is a lot of work, but it, it feels like it's moving movement into a maturity, a maturity of faith where I can say, I don't have to have peace to know peace. Right. I can be, another way to put it, I can be unanxious about my anxiety. Yeah, right. I can be settled in the fact that, yeah, I feel lonely. Yeah, I feel depressed or I'm sorry or I feel sad. Um, but I'm not reacting to those things. Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing peace mm -hmm. in the midst of all yep. of those things. Right. Or joy. Right, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, and I do think there's um, a lot that's, you know, you know, probably some of this would be, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about next week, but I do think there's a joy um, that is, well, in, you know, how I thought about it here in this passage is the joy, whatever, whatever the joy Joseph had, which is sort of a second, like, uh, I, I thought about Jake Allen, yeah, right. So he was the he was the the the, the first string goalie for the Blues for a while, and it was only this past year that he, when he became when he was replaced by Jordan Binnington, who was the the goalie who then was in that for all of the you know the Stanley Cup and everything. Um, it's only when Jake Allen wasn't actually playing much anymore that the team won the trophy. And yet, can Jake Allen have joy in that circumstances that he can't take credit for? He didn't make happen. He sort of invited in as a non-essential part of this thing. Um, and I actually thought, you know, watching it, uh, watching the celebration, and like, what does it feel like to be him? Mm. And yet, I feel like part of of who I am, part of who God's making me, part of being in community is to sort of embrace that. Like I didn't earn this. I didn't make this joy happen. I didn't earn it. I don't get to get credit for it. I'm not doing better at joy than you are. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't beat you out for first string joy. <laughs> right. And yet that's sort of how we approach all of life. It's some sort of, I put this into it. I put that, I get that out of it. And can I just embrace the fact that God wants to bring me joy despite all the th ways I'm a screw up? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good illustration. Here's what I just put in my own words. This is the joy of ego humiliation, the joy of serving. He can step, he really have can joy he there? really right. step back and say, you know what? I wasn't even the guy right. that got us here. Yeah. But can I be happy mm -hmm. for this person? Yes. I played my part. Yeah. My part stepped back into the uh, background now. Right. And I'm going to cheer someone else mm -hmm. on. To me, that's full-fledged 
the, the tree is in full bloom joy of, you know what? I'm not in the spotlight. And to me, it's a lot of right. death to self. Yeah. You got to do My a lot joy of is that self. we won and it really isn't attached to me. Yeah. And that's what I think your point now with Joseph, like mm-hmm. you're, but this is where I think if you've met somebody who's done a lot of work in their lives and they're in their 60s, 70s, um, their joy is a bit more quiet. Mm-hmm. They're talking about doing work. You're talking about uh, sorry, work yeah. through his stuff. Yeah. Who's kind of knows who he is. Yes. Is at peace with himself. Right. You've kind of, you've kind of lived well into your story yeah. and you're not denying right. anything, but you've done a lot of interior work. Like I, I don't, work. now I, I'm, now I don't have to show you how joyful yeah. I am. I feel like. Like I won it live. Those Here, people are me. joyful. Yeah. But they do not have to be very loud about right. it. Yeah. It's not a lot of bravado right. and yet it's incredibly attractive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hope to be that uh, person. So just do someday. that. Yeah, I do. I really do. It's I got. I'm 40. I got a lot yeah. of time ahead to work. Uh, it's but closer I hope to for be me. That. It's closer for me. Um, and so I don't know. You know, I don't know exactly how to end this because it's not like I can give you something to do. Uh, but I would say, if the encouragement would be, can we pursue God for the sake of pursuing God, and then see how He blesses us, and how His grace comes to us? And I wouldn't be surprised if there was some love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that comes along uh, with that and somehow managed to do managed to do that in the month of December um, <laughs> which ironically might be the hardest month mm-hmm. yeah. to actually do that. Yeah. yeah so uh, but with you know embrace the God of joy uh, this week and let's see what he does with it Grace and peace, people. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.